The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. It is that time of the year. The uh, blockbuster trades have already started. The blockbuster trade speculation is ramping up. And I'm sure that the All-Star Game will, as always, be a blockbuster celebration. I think it scares me that the guy who's currently second place in goals scored, top five in points, had to be somehow voted in. I mean, did on I miss the best something? Team league, yeah. And yet he had to get in on some kind of last minute fan vote or something. Yeah. And on the best team in the league. It's not like he's scoring a bunch of goals playing for a team that is eight points behind the 31st team in the league. The 31st team in the league. He's playing. He's literally the best. Uh, he's literally on the best team and it's not even close. Oh the, yeah. This it, <laughs> the numbers that it's, it, it's, it's getting to be video game numbers at this point. Lapping the field is actually not an exaggeration. <laughs> I mean, just by comparison, at right now, the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are last in the league, 46 games played, all of 30 points. Um, will they get to 50 by the end of the year? Nobody knows. <laughs> Probably a poll question. <laughs> Have a, a goal differential of negative 61. So the 30 games that they or 32 games that they have lost, including overtime losses, they have lost by about two goals. So they're not particularly close games. Anaheim has actually got a worse goal differential, but just comparing first and last is simpler. So the Boston Bruins have only lost between regulation and overtime nine games so far this season. Nine. Oh, they're approaching double digits. I know. There might have to be a coaching change. Yeah. Uh, and apparently Bruce Boudreaux will be available soon. Well, we're going to get to that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Boston Bruins have a goal differential of 77 games, of 77 goals, positive, <coughs> having won 36 games uh, through 45 out of their 45. Yeah. That's almost that means they're winning games by almost two goals per game. Even allowing for the losses, they're winning games by almost two goals per game. That's a pretty substantial swing between first and last. And I don't even know if anyone is keeping pace with them in terms of. It looks like. Edmonton is still Edmonton has scored a couple more goals, but they've also played more games. Um, The Bruins are the only team in the NHL that have not allowed a hundred goals yet. Yep. They've only allowed 96 goals. (laughs) Uh, I mean, by comparison, at some point, video games starts coming into you know, it starts entering the conversation. You're not wrong. Vancouver has allowed 183 goals against in 46 games. 
Um, Buffalo, who, despite being in 21st place in the league, actually has a positive goal differential. Um, they've allowed 155 goals, which is better than a couple of playoff teams. Um, I, I talked about them in the offseason. I talked about them last season. If Buffalo can keep upward tra- trajectory, they're going to be in the playoffs next year. I don't think I don't quite think they can make it this year. Um, they are four points back of Pittsburgh with the same number of games played. They would have to. They need a lot of help. And 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 once again, we come back to our favorite, the best bad team goaltender in the NHL, uh, Mr. Why Craig, Craig Anderson hasn't been sent to the All Star game? It, I don't know. It's a travesty. The man has a 917 save percentage on that team. And that team still doesn't have good defense. Um, no. We were talking about the Florida Panthers just before we uh, hit the uh, button. Yes. And, well, I don't think it's time to blow up the Florida Panthers. I would certainly be sellers at the deadline this year. I think you can position yourself to make gains in the offseason. And I think Radko Gudis is one of those guys who you can trade and maybe get him back in the offseason. Mark Stahl, same thing. Um, Alex Lyon, who knows, all three are UFAs. Chris Tierney, someone needs a depth forward. Sure, send him on his way. Um, but with those, with that... One of the teams who I think that where he could be a a good place for him to land. Yes, the Buffalo Sabres, if they're going to push for it uh, and want to see what their kids look like going for it down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Put him there. Uh, go out and get him. Make the trade. You've got the core of your team going forward. Adding a veteran who's been deep in the playoffs. He may even have a cup. I don't remember off the top of my head. I thought he was with Washington at the time, but or maybe it was Pittsburgh. But um, adding him, a little more physicality. We're still uh, talking about Gudis. Re- adding Radko Gudis to the Buffalo Sabres. Where is he? Order now. Buffalo was one landing spot. Um, it was another. You 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 also mentioned. Uh, I mean, I said Pittsburgh, but I don't know if they'll utilize him because they, they seem to abhor physicality. Unless you're a knucklehead. Yes, but they and, traded, Ryan Reeves Radko isn't a knucklehead, but he's physical, and they traded him away. Radko Gudis does knucklehead a little bit better. He Well, yeah, Radko Gudis is a knucklehead. I'm trying to figure out whether him or Tom, him or Tom Wilson are, are which one's got like the meathead crown. But Radko's, I, I guess Radko's been kind of behaving himself lately. I haven't heard you know, nothing. Haven't heard anything in the news of him doing dumb things. Um, but there again, like Tom Wilson, there's talent there when he's not being a meathead. And for a team like Florida, who doesn't 
have a first round pick in the next three drafts. Well, he's not going to move some of these guys, including maybe assuming he's back and healthy and looking good. um, Anthony declare. Well, there's one place to move him, but you know, that would require a general manager who's got his head uh, screwed on straight. <laughs> wow, I like how you twisted that and made it sound so nice. Um, but if they could get him, if they could, if they can move some assets and keep their prospect pool from being depleted and put themselves in better position to trade for good players, plus just freeing up cap space. The thing with Florida is after last year, they they look like they were in position to they were in a, they were in position to move up, move you know they, they they're within striking distance. They're going to make deep playoff runs. They go out, they get themselves they go out, they get themselves Matthew Kachuk. Yes, it cost them more than I'm going to guess they wanted to. Pay. I, I don't know the fact that you had to give up Huberdo and Mackenzie Wegar. Yes, I know they also gave up another roster player who doesn't seem to really move the needle, but it, it just looked like they were in position. They were making signings. They were bringing people in. Was it too much too fast? I mean, why are they suddenly not where they were last year? It was last year. I don't want to think that last year was a fluke, but it's starting to look that way. Last year was... A lot of career years, and the division wasn't as good. Let's be honest. Buffalo was nowhere near as good as they are this year. Buffalo's been a thorn in a lot of sides this year. Um, the Islanders were not as good last year. Uh, uh, last year. Um, even uh, Philadelphia is definitely better, uh, and you can call it the division or the whole East in general is just tighter and uglier this year to um, even Ottawa, even though they're not particularly good. If you go in there and you are not at a hundred, there's a way to fix Ottawa. If you, if you go into Ottawa and you are not playing your best game, mm-hmm. there's a good chance you're losing. Uh, just ask the, just ask the Bruins. I mean, let's let's just to take a look at it. Washington Capitals, who hold the first wild card spot right now, mm-hmm. they played three more games in Ottawa, but only have five more wins. Um, the bigger different, the biggest one of the bigger differences between the two is that um, Washington has six overtime losses. Uh, and Ottawa only has three with 18 regulation losses for Washington and 23 for Ottawa. You know, if Ottawa can drag those three of those wins four of those wins out to over uh, losses out to overtime. They're one point out. Goaltending, uh, is, goaltending is still Ottawa's issue, though. Goaltending is still an issue. Um, M. Talbot brought in to kind of solidify because they let Matt Murray and and they didn't. I, I realized they didn't chase Matt Murray. That's fine because it's Matt Murray. 
but Cam Talbot's not the was not the answer. Uh, I'm hoping that they just brought him in as a quick fix because he's only got a 903 save percentage. Forsberg still trying to crack 90 percent at 899 at 899. It, defense in front of him. Yes, they have. I, I think they need to build on the one or two because they got Shabbat. They've got Brandstrom. Yeah. Uh, I think they need to work on that defense. I think they got to find a way to improve the goaltending. And there are fixes. This team team can be fixed. There was a time where I would say this team wasn't fixable, but Ottawa can be fixed. I don't know. Ottawa can be fixed, and I think Florida can be fixed. I think Florida can be fixed as well. I mean, there are some teams where I look at them and I go, no, just boom, no. You mean like Vancouver? Yeah, like Vancouver. Boom. Uh, I don't know well, what. Let's try fix again. Yeah. Uh, if we're going to dive into Vancouver. <laughs> well, if they move, uh, so we all know. Oh, yeah. As we all know, at this point, the the Vancouver Canucks are not performing to the level that one would think they would, given the talent on the roster. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Figure, I'm trying to figure out whether ownership owns a hockey team or whether they're trying to run like some kind of reality drama network. As a reality drama network, I don't know how they could t- succeed better. Um, they might need to, you know, sign a troublemaking bigot and have their entire locker room revolt uh, or something like real, that. But. Real, real housewife. No, I, I, I have to come up with a name for it. Real hockey players of, of British Columbia. I mean, I, it, it's it's bad up there. I did, but it's not even just the way that the player that the roster is constructed. It's the outlook of the whole team. We've known for a couple of weeks that the uh, that their general manager has been has interviewed. Uh, at least one replacement for Bruce Boudreau. Uh-huh. And he answered questions in uh, in, in the media about doing so. Uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick Alvin uh, answered questions about Bruce Boudreau and interviewing replacements. According to multiple multiple sources online, it looks like um, it looks like the move is going to happen Monday or today and Monday. Um, and the former head coach in Arizona, current TV uh, talking head, Rick Tockett, is going to land in Vancouver. Talk is going to get another coaching job. I'm sorry. I have to say this right now. If I were a head coach, I would not touch this franchise right now. I would stay as far away from it as I possibly could. Yes. Uh, I'm like, sorry. Bruce Boudreau brought to tears by the fact that they're, they're talking about interviewing Canada. I mean, they, he was asked if he was, if he thought he was going to be fired. He's, he's like, I, you know, I'm emotionally answering and saying, well, I'd be foolish to think with the way things are going that they're not considering a change. But to actively be in the media and have it out there, yeah, we're interviewing people. I'm out here. I'm talking to everyone who I can. Yeah. It, 
you don't. The whole team sees this. What do you yeah. expect the team to do when they see that you're actively shopping around to find another? You're act, they already know in their heads. I mean, Bruce Boudreaux probably has in the back of his mind that, my goodness, I'm going to end up getting fired because this team is terrible. And let's, I mean, let's not forget that we're adding all of this on top of the fact that literally every player you can name on this roster, every player making more than like $3 million has been on the trade block for years. Like, well, Horvath, Besser, Literally Quinn Hughes is the only player on this team making more than $3 million whose name I haven't heard in trade speculation. Maybe Thatcher Demko, but even there, I've heard his name once or twice. Really? Not often, not deep, not necessarily credible, but... And just looking at their injuries right now, Thatcher Demko, their number one goaltender, he's out. Tanner Pearson, probably the most physical player on their roster. He's out. Done for the year, if I'm not mistaken. Michael Furland, he's out. Uh, Tucker Tucker Pullman, he's out. Uh, Between those four players, that's $14 million in cap space. That's that's a lot of roster quality. Um, I mean, Luke Shen is still there, but he's definitely on the uh, back three of his career. Yeah. I think OEL would probably waive his no trade uh, <laughs> to get out of there, to go anywhere. <laughs> when I look at this roster, even knowing how much I really do like several of the players on this roster. Why do you want to look at? I was going to say, why do you want to look at the roster? It's, it's heartbreaking. And if I were Rick talking, I'd be like, no, <laughs> like I kind of. I think I might insist not only on a uh, health screen for any of the players uh, trading out of that team, but maybe a cup, maybe a decontamination shower before they like get on the plane to come here. Um, Cause there's something wrong with this roster, uh, something wrong in the sense that it doesn't have a heart. Like it but doesn't again, have a heartbeat when you look at it. But as I said, with all of the stuff that's going on in the public, in the media, it's in public, that's going to wear you down. That's going to you're not going to react kindly to stuff like that. I mean, yes, I, I, I agree with you there, but I've never looked at this roster, not any time in the past. I don't know, since Ryan Kessler left. And said, this is the guy who that team responds to. This is the guy who, when he speaks, everybody listens and does it because they know it's right. Like in Boston, that guy is Patrice Bergeron. It used to be Zidane Chara as well. In Washington, I'm sure that Alex Ovechkin and, and Backstrom and Carlson all get listened to. I was going to say, to be honest, the Bruins have more than just Bergeron. But. More than just Bergeron. It's it's Marchand. It's Krejci, uh, who we have a fantastic quote from. Thank you, Ty Anderson. Um, <laughs> I don't even have to guess that that uh, in in Tampa, Stamkos and Hedman 
are listened to. I just don't even have to guess. You can look at the way that the team plays, listen to the fact that Stamkos for spent six or seven years talking about how he wanted to play more like Patrice Bergeron and has moved greatly in that direction and knows that that's, that he's the, that he is definitely part of the emotional as well as talent core of that team. Going back to Vancouver, they have a talent core. I don't know that they, I, I I see no signs of an emotional core. And there's, there's no emotional leader on that team. I, you, like, I don't buy that it's Bo Horvat. I thought that JT Miller could be that, but that's been a nightmare that's scenario. Been that's um, been a nightmare scenario. There really isn't an emotional leader. I mean, Quinn, I don't think Quinn Hughes has been around enough, and I don't think that – I just don't see him as that guy. It's, I don't think – Quinn Hughes is a guy who I think will contribute to positive behavior in a group. I don't see him contributing to the negative behavior, but I also don't know that he's got the verb, the personality, the I think, charisma I think, to combat the, the negative. I think the last guy they had that that had any kind of voice like that was traded when they traded Alexander Edler. Maybe. But you look at you look at the roster, Elias Patterson, wildly talented. Brock Besser, take him in a heartbeat. Bo Horvat, <laughs> we'll same <talk> thing. <laughs> JT Miller, someone here's Wubby. Um Curtis Lazar played here in Boston for a while. Really really, really solid depth player. Not as familiar with Ilya Mikachev, um or Andre Kuzmenko, Josh Dakota. Uh, what I've seen of him, I've liked. I liked that Studnika got a raw deal here, and he's been he may be the only player having a better than expected season out there. Um, because he he's points. he's picked up six points in his twenty six games out there, which means that he has almost half of his career total um, in less than half of his games uh, in that uniform. You've got Quinn Hughes, OEL, Tyler Myers, Ethan Bear, Travis Dermott, Riley Stillman, Luke Shen, Kyle Burrows. Um, We've talked about their goaltending, Colin Delia and Thatcher Demko and Tanner Pearson. Tanner Pearson might be one of those guys who you can build a core around, but I've, I just get the feeling he's more of a strong number two guy um, than he's like a leader. I don't see it on this team. And I, I personally haven't seen it since Ryan Kessler. I might be doing some players a disservice, but no, I, I just can't I, like looking at this roster, looking at the way that they play a game how long has Kessler been gone now? Was he was was he around in two thousand? Played a couple of years in in um, Anaheim before he retired. So he's yes. been gone like seven or eight years. No, but last time he was in Vancouver was that back during ten eleven? I thought he was in. He was there another two or three years. He okay. was there until the thirteen fourteen season. Okay. Um, and then he finished it off with five years with the Quacks. 
So trying to think, because I was thinking back to that. I was thinking back to that season that they, you know, unfortunately for them, lost in the Stanley Cup final to the Bruins. But you think about that team's makeup, whether you liked them or didn't like them. But you had Alexander Barrow, who was probably loud in the locker room, whether you liked him or didn't like him. Or whether you liked him or didn't like him, Kevin Bieksa, Bieksa. definitely. Um, he would get in there and push. Luongo, he still had the Sedins. The Sedins. I mean, they had personality then. They had an and image. They had an identity. As I said, Bobby, yeah, Roberto Luongo, Bobby Lou, yeah. They had, a, they had a personality and identity. And since that time, it's been nah, <sighs> disappearing not. slowly until now when it's a shell of itself. It's a, they have an assemblage of talent. They don't have a team. That's what I used. That's what I've always said about Edmonton. All those number one draft picks that they had—they were assembling talent. Edmonton has turned into a team. It's taken them a long time, but they have turned into a team. Um. Fair enough. So you blow up Vancouver, yay! You kind of have to. Even, see, I don't know how much of it needs blowing up. I mean, let's – you could probably remake that roster with two solid players uh, if you got the right attitudes. I'm trying to think of two players, like, potentially available without talking about necessarily Boston or whatever – um, in, in two players that would help them, what? Center, focus, ground uh, themselves. Okay, here's two. You have to. Th- here's two. Okay. Nazem Kadri. In Calgary, yeah. And you could throw either Kachuk brother in there, and you would instantly have an emotional core to that team. The problem is. Zero out of those three are in and any they're way. not available, no. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Zero out of those three players are available. <laughs> but they're the type of guys who make you notice them and yeah. have <clears throat> and will play their body parts off uh in order to make in order to get what the team needs. Um Fair enough. I could see that. Uh, and, I mean, yes, Kadri is 32 already, uh, but if you're looking at other teams, actually, a guy who might end up being available this summer, mm-hmm. um, particularly where you're not necessarily as a need of talent as you are verve, drive, and willingness to mutilate oneself in pursuit of wins, Brendan Gallagher. I'd like put him on that team and you've got an instant example of a guy who's going to play it hard every shift. Um, he does in Montreal, even though they're horrible. a less than good team. Um, hell, uh, until now, I know he's injured right now, but he is injured right now. Another guy who is on the injured reserve and probably available over the summer. 
Um, Tori Krug. We've seen we've we've seen him demonstrate his willingness to play through anything he can, yeah, and uh, and just back down from no one and nothing at any time. Uh, that's that's the sort of they need they need a heart transplant. They they need someone to uh, take them down the yellow brick road. And uh, get them, get them a pulse. And and that and that's and and like I said, with everything that's going on there, that's why I I'm surprised that they could get a coach like uh, a Rick Tockett. I thought they'd have to. I somehow felt that the next head coach that they picked up would have had to have been somebody who was less of a, a spotlight. I don't know how to word it here. Er- well, here's the thing. Rick Tockett really wants to be an NHL head coach. I understand I, that. I think he wants to be an NHL head coach more than he wants to win at this point. <laughs> okay. I think Rick Tockett is a really solid coach and definitely a better coach than he is a <sighs> Excuse me. TV commentator. But I think in he, six in six years as a head coach. Yeah. He's only made the playoffs once. He's only had two seasons where he had a winning record. And that's that's not necessarily hugely impressive. Okay. I just I worry that I just worry that they're retreads are I like Rick Tockett I do I think that he put up with a lot coaching in Arizona he had to learn to deal with adversity the, the Coyotes were a well that was his second stint as a when he was head coach there because he spent he broke into coaching. In 2002 through 2004 as an assistant, or actually through the 2005-06 season as an assistant out there, um, and then headed back and spent four years as the head coach, or three and a half years as the head coach, mm-hmm. um, from the 17-18 season through the 2021 season. <sighs> He's going to like it out there or something. Um, but <laughs> Maybe. The dry heat of the desert. But I I mean, I wish him luck if he is indeed the next head coach of the Vancouver Canucks, which all of the very mysterious moving movings of the Aquilini family uh, seem to indicate very mysterious. Like Danhausen. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand it either. I I. It's it's almost it, I don't want to compare the I don't want to compare the Aquilini to the Pagulas, but it's the Pagulas just seem to like to fire people to fire people. Yes, Aquilini. Aquilini is, I'm not what? sure if it's firing people to fire people or if it's they refuse to fix things to help out 
the people that they hire. I don't, I, I, I mean, do you fire the GM instead? Instead, obviously, they're not going to get rid of. They just did that recently too, because he's only been there a couple of years. This is true. Maybe they, maybe they're more like the Pagulas than I thought. Maybe they just like firing people to fire people. I mean, he's been the he's he's not even been there a year yet. He's been there eleven months and twenty seven days as of today. He's made twenty three signings, eleven draft picks, and six trades. Wow. All right then. Uh, to say uh, I feel for you Bruce uh, writings on the wall and I wish you luck <laughs> I I'm, I hope that they keep you around and at least let you finish out the season but it doesn't sound like that's going to happen I mean just to tie a bow on on this Eric Engels who is a senior columnist for Sportsnet um, tweeted uh, yesterday or no, actually, earlier today. I can honestly say that in my 15 years covering the NHL, I have never seen anything like this Bruce Brujo fiasco. I have no clue how any organization, even one as apparently dysfunctional <laughs> That's as the word I've been Knox, looking for. could operate this way. The cruelty of it aside, this is just so ridiculous. 15 years one of the more respected uh, members of the hockey community. He's not wrong. Dude is not wrong. Um, That's the word I was looking for. Thank you, Eric. Do we want to keep talking about goalie or about coaching, or do we want to talk a little bit about, uh, about goaltenders? Uh, We can... We can talk about coaching. Okay, uh, I mentioned the Ty Anderson, uh, who is one of the one of my favorite uh, hockey people here in the Boston area. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not following him on hawk on uh, Twitter, that's well your problem. Um, you should also uh, tune in and catch him on the radio. Uh, he caught up with David Krejci and produced one of my favorite quotes, which Chris is not going to interrupt. Um, and I haven't said a word. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just for those not familiar with David Krejci, he is one of the more quiet spoken guys uh, I've talked to in sports who's been or rather I who I've observed in sports who's been as influential as he has. Um, quote, quote begins, uh, I'm very thankful and grateful that they gave me a call in the summer to come back. Obviously, there's some expectations, uh, but I'm just glad with the way the team is playing. The record speaks for itself. I feel this could be a special year. We know what we have in this room. We don't take it for granted, and we'll see how it goes. But I like the mentality of this team uh, to stay in the moment, take it game by game. Practices have been good. Obviously, the coaching change helped a lot. We're obviously feeling good. When Julian left, no signs of a co- uh, of anything like that from from David Krejci. 
some people, a lot of people said that Julian had lost the room. Personally, I think he lost the corner office. Um, but that's just my very humble opinion. Um, for him to come out and make that second to last sentence a part of the public record, obviously the coaching change helped a lot. It it underscores everything that I said going back to when Cassidy was hired in the first place. Which was? There's a reason Bruce Cassidy stayed in the AHL for over a decade after his first NHL stint. With the Capitals. Where they were kind of... Over a decade. And then languished in the AHL. Until Don Sweeney came to call and said, Hey, I'm going to give you another shot at the NHL level, kid. By the way, you're taking over a team that's already stacked. So all you have to do is not screw it up. And yet he still managed to do that. (laughs) Thank you for finishing that. We think the same way. (laughs) I honestly think that I, I... I know we've said this probably ad nauseum, but it bears it bears repeating. I fully believe that Don Sweeney was voluntold that he had to either replace Cassidy or re- he would be replaced. Yeah, it was you could he can leave uh, he can leave right now or you can or he can follow you out the door as we replace you. Yeah, either way, he's going. It's just a matter of whether you stick around or not. <laughs> I fully, but I, I, I honestly believe that. I mean, nobody else came calling for what was it? A decade? Yeah, fourteen years, something like that. Yep. In all those years, no organization who needed a head coach came calling. Therefore, there is something amiss. And, unpo- and and the thing is, you wish him well. He Unfortunately, you know, you, you're fired. It, it's on your resume. It's on your resume, whatever. He gets hired three days later by Vegas, and they've been fairly successful. So he gets to turn around and say, see, it's not just the Bruins. And we get to turn around and say, see, you don't have a system. Because I still don't see one there either. Um, no. He was last head coach uh, for 25 games or the first 25 games of the 03-04 season in Washington. Mm-hmm. There was the lockout year. And then 05-06, he was an assistant in Chicago. Spent two years as a head coach in uh, of the Kingston front, de- front and next, uh in the OHL. Okay. Um, then went to Providence for the 08-09 through as an assistant for three years. Um, and then uh, five years as, an, as, a, uh, as the head coach of the Providence Bruins. Um, three of those years, they either missed the playoffs or were out in the first round. Okay. Including the year that they finished with a 625 win percentage. Um not a not a not a bad winning percentage. No. 
when you win over ha- uh, well over half your games and you still flop it in the first round. Um, then in 16-17, he was brought in as an assistant coach to begin the season. And then uh, Julian was punted, um, despite the fact that I believe Claude Julian still had a winning record at the time. That was sad, getting rid of Claude. Um, and... That was sort of our. That was sort of Boston's own little mini drama. I mean, Vancouver's got full blown drama, but Boston's little mini drama in there because the young players didn't like, or perceived, they didn't like the perceived treatment from Claude, and that he didn't like young players. And he and he, it's true. Claude likes his veterans. He does. They had a five twenty seven win percentage through fifty five <laughs> games that year, and you still fired a head coach with a winning record. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, um, sure, I'm sure he went. Uh, I'm sure he went to Montreal and went. Look, I still win. You need a head coach. What do you think? You need. A head coach. They probably called him before he finished packing his office. Oh hell yeah. Um. I just, I, I, yeah, I mean, he's out in Vegas. Like I said, they, they, they've fallen off a little bit, but they're still, they've still got a 638 win percentage out there. In, in a points percentage, excuse me. They still got a 638 points percentage out there in, in Las Vegas land. Uh, they're well, still a plus 20 in goal differential, but they're not scoring a crazy amount of goal. No, they and that's the, no, they're really not. That's the, that's the thing. They're around it, league average, 155 goals scored. If you look at these six teams uh, holding, you know, regular divisional playoff spots in the Western Conference, all of the, uh, all of them except for Minnesota have a better goal differential. I, I'm I'm waiting for the Cassidy lovers to to chime in. I mean, the best thing that you can say. Still kind of, still kind of quiet. <laughs> Crickets. They're three and one in the best. shootout, which is great, except it means that you're not getting it done in overtime, in regulation or overtime. Okay. I just i I never understood. You know, he comes in and he 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 almost had a okay, guys, just don't lose the game type attitude. You know, I didn't feel like there was any kind of system. And it was odd when Montgomery first stepped in because he said, you know, we didn't have to mess with the defense. Well, I don't think Cassidy ran the defense. I think that was Sacco and and uh, I'm not even sure. Uh, Kelly. I mean, it would have to be because they, they, they don't have they didn't have a system. I know that Montgomery has has since tweaked it a little bit and. You know, they're, they're a little more forward thinking. You got Lindholm who's on the rush. I don't want to speak ill of Cassidy. He's still he's still winning. And I just I don't understand. What he's what his system is, I don't understand. And and he didn't he didn't work for this locker room. He didn't work for this bunch of guys. And clearly Montgomery is. 
the right man or at least the right man at this time for Absolutely. what they need. Do you uh, think he'll still be the right man at the right time if this uh, blockbuster trade uh, proposal goes through? Bo Horvat. Not Bo Horvat. Oh. Even more uh, impressive. Patrick Kane. Uh, right team. Wrong player. Seth Jones. That would be a legitimate blockbuster. I thought you said it was a blockbuster. Well, the article that we're talking about, uh, which is from Michael DeRosa of the Hockey Writers. Okay. uh, Is linking the Boston Bruins and the Chicago Blackhawks in a potential Jonathan Taze move. Really? Now, this blockbuster. Is a blockbuster. It's a blockbuster. Who are we giving up? Um... A second and a third round pick. And? A second and a third round pick. And? Um, I'm sorry, you have to see, 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 the way it works is Jonathan Taze earns something called a salary. And if you're not, if you're not eliminating salary on your end, you have to squeeze his salary onto your list of which you're only allowed so much space, otherwise known as a cap. <laughs> Ooh, let me write that down. So if you are just trading two picks for a man who has a salary, you have to have space to fit that salary. So I say again, two picks plus who? Now, potentially Craig Smith and A.J. Greer. Oh, why would you want to get rid of A.J. Greer? He's actually kind of – the fans are actually warming up to him. Um, I mean, he's got – he is a nice little player. I don't know if you want – I mean, he, he did sit on the – he did sit on, on – did sit on a couple of games, healthy scratches and whatnot. He hasn't gotten into a great many games this year. He, he's a fun little player to watch, though. He's, he skates around. He, he can – he's got a – he's got a little bit of a tricky shot there. He scored a couple of goals. He's He's physical. He's not afraid to go into the corners. He's not afraid of anybody, as far as I can tell. I, I kind of like him. He he's a a Bruin type of player, I guess they would say here in Boston. I mean, he's not exactly little at six three and two ten. Okay, so I shouldn't use the word little. My apologies, there, AJ. And Craig Smith is six one and two oh eight. AJ's bigger than I mean, Craig Smith. Unfortunately, I just. I don't know for him if it's even a change of scenery at this point in time. I mean, I watched him in a couple of games and he just looked not fast. He just looked like he was just unmotivated. He needs to find the fountain of youth that David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron and <laughs> have been, you know, bathing in apparently. Apparently, I don't know if the ta- I don't know if the, the you don't lose the talent per se, but it, we were talking pre-show about he's seven goals away from two hundred in his career. Correct. And in the last thirty some odd, was it thirty five, thirty seven games? I haven't seen any evidence that he's going to get there by the end of the season. 
And I know that sounds terrible to say, and I apologize to whoever thinks that I should be apologizing, but I don't think it's going to happen. I agree with you, and I don't apologize. Good. <laughs> I honestly don't think it's going to happen. So Jonathan Taze to Boston for a second and a third, and we're do- and Boston is doing this. Why? Apparently, according to this article, to use him on the third or fourth line. Because Charlie Coyle is not a good third line center. And uh, not a good line center. And apparently the idea is to slide Coyle to the right and use um, use Taze as the third line center. Kind of I don't know like who you're putting on the left wing. Yeah, okay, exactly. Um, I mean, if you're going to have Taylor Hall there, I think you could have a fascinating third line. Fascinating and good, I don't know. I wouldn't you wouldn't have to worry about faceoffs for them very much at all. Uh not that not that uh Charlie Coyle is doing a bad job there. Um I I do I haven't watched Many Chicago games this year. Well, no so movement I, class. So I don't know what what Tay's foot speed is like right now. But yeah, that's kind of a worry. Full no movement clause. He is now far be it for me to to start talking about people's age because if you look at Bergeron at his current age, I would say, no, he's not. But Jonathan Taze is 34 years old, and he has expressed frustration over the Blackhawks' rebuild. And I don't I don't know how to break this to Jonathan without being cruel, so I guess this is going to be cruel. I don't know that you're actually part of the rebuild, Jonathan. Therefore, you can't really be frustrated about it. Well— the rebuild, it consists of getting really, really, really bad so that you have the potential to draft really good. And yes, he is part of that rebuild because right now they are definitely really, really bad. Even if another team has snuck below them in the standings. Oh, oh they're not the worst team in the NHL right now. Huh? They're only 30th out of 32 at the moment. Oh, you're trying too hard, guys. You won 14 games. That's that's too many, clearly. <laughs> You're in danger of winning 20 games before the end of the season. I just, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, there's other, like I said, they want to make it, you want to make a move for the Bo, for, for Bo Horvat. I see that 18 different ways to Sunday. I, Jonathan Taze doesn't make sense. As talented as he is. What? The type of assets that are being talked about and for the type of hope plus hype. Mm-hmm. I think that taste to I think that taste to Carolina makes more sense than taste to Boston. I'm 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 mulling that one over because that one's kinda tasty. Um Taze to Carolina. I don't know that I want to make another team better, but they could certainly use this. Uh, 
who is their number one centerman? Aho. Yeah, okay. Second line center? Is Trocek still there? No. It could be Stahl. It's probably not Kotkinemi. No, I'm pretty certain he's bottom six center. <laughs> and you also have um, Allstazny and Derek Stepan there. Oh, I forgot about Stepan, yeah. That's okay. I'm reasonably certain that there are people on his team who have forgotten about him. There was a time where he wasn't forgettable, though. No, he was a very, very effective player early in his career. Okay, so, yeah, so Tay's going to Carolina would certainly be an upgrade at the center position, I would think. Yes. Okay, I could see that. And assuming they wanted to, you know, go all in and be buyers at the deadline, mm-hmm. even adding him in Florida makes sense. I could see that one. Yeah, that one does make sense. Uh, although I don't think that Florida is going to I don't know if they're in position to buy at least not players no. of t- not players of Tay's ilk uh, and I don't mean his talent because his talent could certainly get him in anywhere. I'm talking about if you're looking to build the future again, he's 34 years old age might not mean as much as it did, but it still means something. Honestly, the best place for him in terms of making an impact on the team and addressing a need that they've had since the off season Almost certainly will not happen for cap reasons, mostly. Oh, okay. Vegas? But, no. <laughs> Colorado Avalanche. After losing Kadri? Yeah. Yeah. This you is have true. Because you can probably slide him in as number two. You Ooh, have Kinnan and Taze as your one-two punch at center. I don't know if they move Comfer around, but Comfer Comfer is your third line. Comfer is a fabulous third line center. I mean, if I didn't have Charlie Coyle, I'd want JT Comfer. And it has nothing to do with the fact that he went to Michigan. It has to do with the fact that he's uh-huh. become he's no he's become. Have you not seen him? He plays on the penalty kill. Of course, he's a course. he's a fabulous two hundred foot player. Is he is he Patrice Bergeron? You can't say every two hundred foot player and immediately go compare him to Patrice. But he is a fabulous two hundred foot player. Uh-huh. I like JT Comfort, and if we didn't have Charlie Coyle, I would be after him. But Charlie Coyle is having himself a fabulous little season this year as well. So, no complaints there. But yeah, you could you could put JT back on the third line. You put Jonathan Taze in as your second line center. You got McKinnon up at the top line, and suddenly you're three deep. You're rolling three deep at the center position. Absolutely. I completely agree. Yep. Uh, what else stop, do we have on the docket? Stop and think about it. And, and this is the other reason that the things like the topics like the Taze uh, rumors come up because 
Yahoo Sports, uh, and this is written by Nick Goss, uh, doing the NHL rumors bit for NBC Sports Boston. The rumor mill is starting to heat up with the deadline coming around, just in case you didn't know. Um, One of the most names garnering attention is, oh, wait, we already talked about him, Bo Horvat. But we now have, we now have the secret, uber secret, ultra secret asking price for Bo Horvat. Trade deadline March 3rd, uh, for those who don't remember it off the top of their head. I believe it's a Monday this year. Sportsnet's Jeff Marrick reported Saturday night on Hockey Night in Canada that the Canucks want three players, including a quote-unquote top prospect. Is there anybody that has? I mean, what? that seems very vague to me. Yeah, what, consider, what is a top prospect? Does it have to be the team's number one prospect in their system? Can it be one of their top five? Do the other two players have to be? Uh, they they have to be off the off the main roster, I would assume. But are we talking just numbers to fill money? Are we talking they want they're expecting to rejigger their whole top line with this trade? I mean, what? I don't expect that they're looking to make a one-to-one replacement uh, on the roster. Um, that that type of trade almost never happens. Um, but let's just say you're Minnesota. You might end up giving up, you know, Adam Beckman or Liam Ogren um, up front or... Okay. Uh, as well as some roster players. Um, if you're St. Louis, you're required to not mention your <laughs> number one goaltender. Um, are, are but Zach, looking at their dimension, looking at their looking at St. Louis's uh, prospect pool, Zachary Boldek is uh, one of those guys that we talked about during one of the draft uh, discussions in the past. Uh, he's having a dandy of a season up in the queue, 71 points through 37 games for the Ramparts. Um, and that's after 99 and 65 last year. Uh, I have a question. Go. Unrelated. Well, not unrelated, but in a different vein. In in order to be in on Bo Horvat, and because it's the trade deadline, do you actually have to be a quote-unquote buyer? I mean, shouldn't like everybody want to be in on Bo Horvat at this point? With should want yes, okay. but there are I mean there are teams that just can't make it happen. I mean the New York Rangers, where would they put him? What would they do with him? I'd say the same for the New Jersey Devils. Okay. No, what am I talking do? about? I'm talking about teams that are looking to, to – teams that are looking like uh, serious rebuild, probably have a lot of young prospects, probably have and, – and I'm not picking this team particular, for any reason in particular, but say Arizona. 
bottom of the barrel struggling again. They have a couple of good, a couple of decent players. Is Bo Horvat somebody that they can build around? Does it make sense for them to get him, even though they're not tech, they're not the traditional buyer at the trade deadline? Does it make sense for some an organization like that to acquire him and build around him? On a sign-in trade, yes. On a pure trade, no. Okay. Because he's a UFA this summer. Right. So if you're going to do a sign-in trade, you sign-in trade, you're more likely to see at the end of the season, not at the deadline, obviously. Um, I can see it happening at the deadline if the <laughs> player just – if it's their dream city or one of their top five or they have friends on the roster, something like that. Um, well, didn't, didn't the Bruins do that last year with Lindholm? Didn't they trade for him? And then before the season ended, they actually actually got him to sign an eight year extension. He wasn't really a sign and trade. It was more like a, trade and then sign but yeah he played like four games here before he was extended or something like that it was pretty close to his sign but I, I was gonna say i'm assuming that that was mentioned in as part of the deal was whether yeah. he'd be willing to resign here or not so i mean it's funny the, the minnesota one you're looking at it, or, or that you mentioned if minnesota were to make the move for bo horvat they'd want a couple play a couple of players top prospect you know Again, like I said, what do you mean by players? Does it have to be Kaprizov and Boldy? Would they take Connor Dewar and Sam Steele? I mean, what do they? I'm just. I think that what they're putting out there is still a little vague to me. As much as it throws me off because I didn't expect them to actually have or have somebody report that they were they was asking. What they were asking, I figured it would come out as deals were offered. But if you're gonna if you're gonna set down the ground rules, this is the starting point. And it does say in the article that Vancouver is looking to weed out the actual buyers from the pretenders, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So it. it I just think that along with the uh, along with the Taze deal, I like Jonathan Taze. I mean, Captain Sirius is is always been a favorite, but I don't think it makes sense for him to come here. I do, however, think it makes no. sense to acquire a Horvat. Yeah, Horvat long term, or is someone you can at least get for term? Yes. Um. Does the does the and 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 it mentions it here in the in the reason as to it, it, one of the reasons the Bruins wouldn't do it is because they haven't extended Pasternak yet. Does acquire it? Are, can the two be mutually exclusive? For Horvat, I think if you're, I think to me adding it has a Horvat, to be. I think if adding a Horvat, assuming that you know Bergeron or Krejci is not coming back next year. I think it gives you a better chance of keeping um, of keeping Pasternak. I, I think that have, knowing a young center who is, quite frankly, fleeter of foot than either Bergeron or Krejci, 
Um, I would assume that. Yeah. Uh, is going to be here for four or five more years. Because Horvat and Horvat and uh, Pasternak are about the same age. Fair enough. I, just, I don't I, think I, there's more than two years between them, and it might not even be that much. Because uh, let's see. It just seems like that the fact that Pasta's not extended seems like the main reason the Bruins can't do it. Like it. It's almost like it's their shackles, their handcuffs. They can't do anything because they haven't re-signed Pasta yet. I think that yeah. acquire, I think that acquiring Horvat and re-signing Pasta are mutually exclusive, and it makes sense to bring in Horvat in order to, as you said, re-sign Pasta or extend him or whatever they want to call it. Yeah, Horvat's a, like a year older than Pasta. Um, so yes, if you can. If you can have those two as a big part of your roster going forward, while you still have Brad Marchand for at least two more years and Taylor Hall for two more years mm-hmm. and Charlie Coyle for three more years, um, you've got a core and you're not going to be relying on on Horvat to be the to be the emotional epicenter of the team. So absolutely, I, I as much as I love Jonathan Taze as a player, organizationally, and you know what? I can't even say that for a cup run it makes more sense um, because one of the things that the Bruins lack is speed, and Jonathan Taze has never been the fastest player in the league. I'm not saying that Horvat is, but... The Bruins have enough older guys that a guy in the middle of his career or at least younger than the average on the team probably does a little bit more for the energy level in the room. Yeah, I think so. Jason Stauber. Yes. For those of you who are Blackhawks fans, who are desperately looking, desperately looking to get that top draft pick this year, you want to blame this guy for not being in position to do so right now. Stauber, who went to Providence College undrafted. Uh, Jackson Stauber, uh, goaltender, got put in. First NHL start, and the Blackhawks win 5-3 over St. Louis. Wait, wait, wait. Was was the goalie at the other end of the ice the, the number one goaltender? Did he I actually beat the number who, one? Oh, it was, yes, it was their number one in pay. Wow. I just read down the article. I apologize. I should I shouldn't have had to ask that question. Apparently, the number one had to be pulled because Chicago scored four times on their first seven shots. Yes, the number one in pay. <laughs> number one in pay. Yes. Well, they traded the number one that they should have kept. So the number one in play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and Detroit's reaping the benefits of that deal. <laughs> Uh, 
uh, wow, no, congratulations to Jackson Stauber and and to do it against a, a St. Louis team that are we actually calling them a playoff team or are they still vying for a playoff spot? Uh, I think if you're vying for a playoff spot in the West right now, you're probably. Well, are they, it's the West. They're in their three, their three spots out of a, out of a wild card. Are they actually going to make the playoff? I mean, it's the West. I get it. At what point do you say that team is definitely not going to make it in the West? I guess they're a bubble team. It's going to come down to who's healthy. They played two more games than Colorado, who holds the second wild card spot. Um, but they're four points behind them, mm-hmm. with Calgary and Nashville in the middle. Um, Which is amazing to me that Calgary is, you know, actually out of a playoff spot at the moment. I don't think that either that Calgary or or Florida won that trade. It's rare for two teams to, and I'm not even sure that they both lost the trade, but between those trades, uh, between that big trade and the rest of what happened to their roster, Calgary did not come out of the offseason better than they went into it. And really, more than even, even bringing in Kadri, getting Huberdeau and Wegar in the deal for Kachuk. Honestly, I think we're seeing the, um, I, I think we're seeing how important chemistry is. Yeah. And I think that Calgary this is, lost uh, Johnny Gaudreau too. Cause neither team at this point, neither team is actually in a playoff spot. And you would assume that with a deal that they put the deal that they put in place. And yes, they lost Gaudreau. That's right. To Columbus. But with this deal, it was supposed to help both teams. You got Huberto going to Calgary, and then they got Kadri to fill in as a center, and Huberto is a left wing. And you got Kachuk going to Florida because they wanted to get a little bit more grit and a little bit more sandpaper and goal scoring. And actually, it hasn't done anything to re to raise either team up. Um, I mean, injuries certainly haven't helped in – in Florida, uh, they've had injuries at every position, which makes it hard to identify a strength. And I apologize. LG. I apologize. I completely pulled us away from the fact that this was about Jackson Stauber. Congratulations to him. But, yes, if you're going to be bringing out a guy who's going to win you games, he's going to cost you uh, – He's going to cost you ping pong balls in the Connor Bedard search. So, hey, you're a for Connor. Uh, you're going to have to stop going with, you know, guys out of quality hockey divisions and maybe just pull directly from the Southern Professional Hockey League or By the way, maybe Providence, the Austrian Providence. League. There was another free agent signing that came out of there, a hand, you know, more than a handful of years ago. But, um, you know, a guy by the name of Nola Chari. Who is still bumming around the NHL and collecting the odd goal or two. Yeah. I don't know what it is. They don't seem to draft him out of Providence. They wait until afterwards and then they, un- then they sign him as un- unrestricted, uh, undrafted free agents. But congratulations. I, no, I, getting that first win out of the way is fabulous. And to do it against St. Louis. Nice job. Yes, absolutely. Congratulations. Uh, 
Which brings us to the new, new second all-time in wins uh, goaltender for the Anaheim Ducks, John Gibson. This is a guy who has been abused the last few years. He has now passed uh, Guy Herbe. Guy Herbe. No. Yeah, Gieber. Okay. That's how Jonas Hiller, Frederick Anderson, Mikhail Shitalinov, yeah. uh, Ryan Miller, and he has just J.S. Jaguer to pass. John Sebastian Jaguer is a very popular man in Anaheim Ducks history. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um I think I believe he's the last. I believe he's the last player to win the Conn Smythe in a losing effort. I there, that that and that's something that's only happened a very small number of times in the first place. I believe he's the last one to have done it. I mean, that's a heck of a lit. Jonah, Jonas Hiller went on. Went to he went to Calgary. Fred Anderson, we know about Fred Anderson because he came east. He's played with Toronto. He's not, you know, Carolina. Uh, Mikhail Stalankov. I don't remember Stalankov. Uh, uh, neither do I. <sighs> I think he was probably either. I think he might actually have been uh, Jaguar's backup. Oh, um, and but given yeah, how much Jaguar and a couple of the other goalies they had in that time period played. How, how close is he to Jaguar? That's not something I got a chance to look up. Okay. We will have that information come next show, even if we just throw it in the beginning. Because <laughs> I'm going to look it up. I just, I just know that John Gibson over the last few years has... I don't know that it's been a whole lot of fun for him. Uh, you're saying he's been their resident government mule? Just a bit, yeah. They haven't really fielded a whole lot. I don't know. He just he plays over. As far as I can tell, he's played over 60 games uh, multiple times. I just think that he's another one of those goaltenders that. Put him behind Carolina defense. Put him behind that Nashville defense that had Yossi and uh, Ekholm and Ever and Ellis. Yeah, and Ellis. Yeah. And then see, and then see the, and then see the real John Gibson because the guy is. I honestly just think that it's not fun for him right now. Congratulations to him making second all time. I di- I just I don't get the impression that he's having fun. Nope, nope, nope. He looks frustrated, and I think that that's uh, I think that that's uh, a fair assessment. I think I think that that's fair of him to be frustrated because. I don't know that you can be good at anything and or really good at anything and not get frustrated when you're not doing well. Mm. A valid point. 
Um, we were going to talk about the Rangers last week and just ran out of time. Well, then let's squeeze them in. My preseason pick had them winning the division, uh, I think. Certainly a playoff team. It didn't look that way did. for a good stretch of the year. But they've climbed into third in the division. Mm-hmm. Um, they're five points back of uh, of New Jersey. And the ever-optimistic, or sometimes optimistic, Blue Seats blog thinks that they could still win the have a, they still have a shot at winning the metro division okay i'm not going to rule them out um they're 6-2 two and 2 in their last 10 mm-hmm. uh they've got a plus 22 goal differential they're 14-5 and 3 on the road which is a pretty solid solid um record they're doing better over the last 10 than Carolina. Um, they've allowed less goals than Carolina, uh, having played the same number of games. <sighs> they just need a little bit more goal scoring. Like, if they can find a few more goals over the over the back half of the season. Well... Part they, of the problem is part of the problem is fine. that that Chris Kreider isn't holding up his end of the bargain. Yes, because I certainly know that the first time I saw Chris Kreider playing, my my gut reaction was fifty three goal seasons are going to be normal for him. <laughs> in or his defense, in his defense, he does have a whopping nineteen in forty three games, which is. Which is which is a pretty solid pace. I mean, thirty points uh, in forty three games last season. He yeah, he did have those fifty two goals in the regular season. Um, and then but he had. How much of an outlier is that though? You look at the rest of his seasons. His top is twenty eight. He did it twice, and then all of a sudden he has a fifty two game fifty two goal season, and I'm like. No, this is not normal. You're not going to see this again. He's probably going to score about 28, maybe 30 goals this season. I just. So that's part of the problem is you got guys who had career years, but are now regressing to the mean. And I don't see anyone on the roster who's going to suddenly pick up all that slack. Um, sure, it's nice to have Trocheck there uh, if you're a if you're a Blue Shirts fan. They don't but have I don't see I don't see Sammy Blaze, Capo Caco, and uh, Philip Cheadle uh, running running down uh, the rest of those missing goals. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Cheadle only had eight goals last season, and he's up to 12 uh, through 38 this year. Mm-hmm. But even if he doubles it to 24 this season, um, with Kreider's pace, they're, they're still going to be short a dozen and a half goals. Um, so are they in the market for a goal scorer at the deadline, or...? How are they going to afford them? They have they have more no movement and no trade clauses at the top of their roster than 
they've also got no long-term IR money. Nobody's injured on the on the Rangers. Or if they are, they're not injured enough that you could that they're stashed on an IR, which is going to save them cap money. And they're still paying Shattenkirk and Girardi. Yep. I don't know. I, I'm not sure where where Shesterkin is in, but he's probably having himself another. Let's see. Mm, say percentage is a little bit lower than that. A lot of a lot of Rangers had career years last year. You look at this, and Shesterkin had a 206 goals against and a 935 save percentage. Mm-hmm. Which he then bore out in the playoffs with a 929 save percentage. It's not that far off. I mean, yes, the goals against was up a little bit, but but this year he's got a 245 and only a 917. Is he? Is that where he truly should be? Is about 917, 920, 922 range, something like that? It's probably more. It's probably easier to. I don't easier to maintain. I don't want to rule them out as far as if they believe that they can still win the Metro. That's that's great. I don't want to rule them out, but they are nine points behind Caroline at the moment with the same number of games played. And yet Carolina has four more wins than they do. It's uh, not going to be easy. No, Uh, I'm not sure it's possible. Um, one more story to get to real quick. Uh, it seems like we're back to the Blackhawks. Black <laughs> <laughs> We've been weaving the Hawks in and out of this episode. Well, this is the most important Hawks player of all time. Um, uh, Bill had tweeted a question just after we got off the air last week. Is are you putting Corey Crawford in the Hockey Hall of Fame? Oh, no. And let's see. No. Corey Crawford does have a couple of Stanley Cups with the Blackhawks. He does. He does have what? a couple of Jennings trophies, but he's never been to an All Star game. No Con Smythe. No Vesna. No. Uh, my answer is flat out. Uh, Unfortunately, my team. answer is no. At least not on a first ballot. I mean, if you have a year, if you have a year where there's uh, reason if for if you have a year where your choice is him or Sean Avery. Sure, put him in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I wasn't gonna go that low, but <laughs> but you look at some of the goaltenders who actually were dominant, or at least. Highly and highly, highly responsible for what was going on on their team. You brought Jeff up Thomas on is name. not in there. There you go. Mike Richter is not in there. Mike Richter was he in that for the '94 uh, Stanley Cup? I believe he was. When when the Rangers won the Stanley Cup in ninety was it ninety four yeah ninety four I believe it was uh, Mike Richter yeah Mike Richter was in net so Mike Richter has a Stanley Cup but he's not in the Hall of Fame that I know of 
Tim he, Thomas won the Norris, Mike, I mean the Vesna and the Conn Smythe, the Cup year, and he's yeah. not there. So and he's not there. Mike Richter has a college award named after him, and he's not. <laughs> yeah. You can win. You can literally win the Mike Richter Award in college hockey. Yes. <laughs> so, no, I, I, honestly, Corey Crawford, really good, really solid goaltender, really good goaltender. You know, again, team has two Stanley Cups. He backstopped them. I think that he got exposed a little bit as to whether his glove hand was as good as it should have been or could have been. But that's not part of the Hall of Fame argument. I just don't think he's done enough to get himself in. Uh, Stanley Cup is a team award, not a goaltending award. And as far as goaltending goes, he's only got two Jennings. No Vesnas as the best in the NHL. Correct. No Con Smythe saying that he was the MVP of the playoffs. I did No Calder trophy. No Calder, no I just don't I mean two hundred and sixty career wins, congratulations. Is that even number one all time in Blackhawks history? I don't believe I, so. I don't believe so either. I, I I'd have to say at this point, no. Sorry. It it wasn't this one wasn't hard for me. No. Um I completely agree. Not that difficult. Not at all. But that is... Did we cover everything? I mean... I thought we had one or two more stories. Well, I, did, um, I didn't have stories. I had little... little. You have, that, you have that Montgomery quote. I had little niblets of information, yes. Go for uh, it. Montgomery, apparently... And this was... <clears throat> This was about this was a week ago um, when they played the Toronto Maple Leafs and there were some fun moments in that game. Like Nick Foligno and Wayne Simmons, who are former teammates for all of like 11 games because they were teammates in Toronto for a very brief period of time. Yes, but. They had a very nice bout, which ended with a couple of pats on the head. And I think that they honestly just respected the hell out of each other rather than. But they still were swinging wildly and making contact, though. You had A.J. Greer getting tough. You had it was it was just fun. But at the end of the second period, there was some issues before getting off the ice. And Montgomery was asked about whether he felt the need to calm the Bruins down. I'm sorry, after the first period. No, it was after the second period, second intermission. Emotions running high and everybody's going crazy. And and, and Montgomery's answer was, I let them go. We've got Patrice Bergeron. The room's going to be fine. I don't know how to take this. This is my problem with this quote. I love the fact that he can let them deal with it themselves or handle their own. But as head coach, shouldn't he do or say something? Is this is this an indication of how he's running the team? I I honestly think that he's got more sway over the room than we're led to believe. But it's quotes like this that make me think, does he really have the room or is he just kind of stand back and go, no, go ahead. There's systems in place. You can see it. It's obvious. 
I think it's a balancing act. I mean, as a as a coach, as a manager, as a leader, your job is to make sure things get done, not necessarily to do them yourself. Um, and let's face it, there's not a single coach in the league at this point who can walk into that locker room and instantly have the respect, the attention that Bergeron or Krejci or even like Brad Marchand are going to get out of the rest of the room. And Montgomery's only been a head coach once before that yeah. didn't end well. Um, and he's, and at that point he had been there not quite half a season. Um, I'm, I, I, I'm of the mindset that he's got a little bit more. He needs to put a little more oomph into his interactions at some point. Okay. But, but honestly, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. No, I, and that's what I was going to say is I, I think that he knows, especially with this group of players, he knows when he needs to step in and he knows when it's okay to let them deal with it on their own. As you said, it's a balancing act, and that that's what I was going to bring up. Because my first thought was, wow, you know, he's letting them, you know, I let them go. We've got Patrice Bergeron. But it makes sense because – in the moment, what is he going to do or say that's going to calm them down or, re, you know? Yes. I, I think that yeah. I think he recognizes when he needs to step in and when it's safe to step back and let the hand let the players handle it. I don't think he's doing it all the time. I don't think he's letting the players run the show. I think that he recognizes those moments when he doesn't need to inject himself into it. Bingo. Um, and some of that comes with experience. Uh, for those of you who haven't taken a look at his coaching history, yeah, he had 110, 113 um, NHL games as a head coach coming into Boston. But he won two championships in three years uh, for the yeah. Dubuque Fighting Saints in the USHL. Yeah. Didn't you win national college, national championship in Denver or Colorado? He may have. He was at Denver for five Den- years. I think it was so. Denver. He was there when uh, Will Butcher was there, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm pretty sure they won a national championship somewhere in there. That would make sense. I mean, his some of his win percentage numbers in college are absolutely video game, as you would put it. Um, <laughs> he had a 700 win percentage in the 15-16 season. And then a 795 the season after. So wait, should we not be surprised about what the Bruins are doing right now? I'm sorry, as my voice goes high and cracks. Should we not be surprised at this then? If he's if he manages a 700 and a 795, should an eight? Uh, hold on, I want to make sure I get this number right. Um, should an 844 points percentage not be surprising then? That and by the way, that's points percentage is better than some goalie <laughs> save percentage right now. Eight forty four points percent. Eight forty. I don't know if I can say that. That's times. that's that literally is a broken number. Eight forty four points percentage. As we said at the start of the show, they have nine losses in forty five games. I. I <laughs> 
They have one regulation loss at home. <laughs> one. And I'll say this really quickly before we uh, bounce. Uh, or actually, no, you did have one other story. Dan's Lock Mellis is quickly moving up my list of Boston Bruins prospects. I do not want moved for anything less than. Well, he had himself. Hall of Famer. He had himself a pretty good World Juniors, did he not? Um, he had three goals uh, during the tournament, but he's been absolutely. I didn't say he was MVP. I said he had himself a pretty good tournament. Yes. He's been absolutely goofy since he got back to uh, Luella uh, in um, in the Swedish Junior League. Mm-hmm. Um, Dominic Tiano has been tweeting about him. He's got last, – last season, it took him 44 games to get to 34 points for Luella. Or Lalia, I have no idea how to pronounce that. I apologize. This year, in 27 games, including his uh, break to go play with Latvia in the uh, USA in the uh, World Juniors, he has 33 points in 27 games. He's over a point per game. Well over a point per game. Uh-huh. And yeah. Uh, also leading the team in scoring. Dan's Lock Mellis. I, I, I don't remember. I'm trying to remember. He was at development camp. I'm trying to remember how much of an impact he didn't. I didn't leave thinking, oh, what a, that wasn't a guy, but that wasn't a, that wasn't a good pick. But at the same point in time, it wasn't like I was wowed either. I saw him doing a lot of right stuff. Yeah, um, I really, really, really want to see him in Providence next year or maybe somewhere else in North America, like if he's eligible to play in the OHL or the WHL next season. Absolutely. I'd be inclined to agree. I think that he needs to start getting accustomed to the the North American game. And he did have the... I did have the what? You did have a Halak... Uh, Oh, Halak story real quick. Oh, a feel-good piece? Uh, yes. Oh, well, it's Yarrow. And some might say that, you know, he was the actual better, the better goaltender when he was here with Tuca. Oh, wait, that was me saying <laughs> This article that I got actually has to be translated from the French. It's from La Presse. And... It gets a little bit weird on the on the on the on the translations, but it, for the most part, it's easy to pick up. But 16 years in the league, he's been around quite a while. And he talks about he talks about being in the Montreal system and playing with guys like you know Carey Price. Mm-hmm. Two of us are trying to make a name for ourselves. We pushed each other. Uh, but 
then he was he was traded he was traded to St. Louis. Uh, he's played 651 games. Uh, Carey Price has played 651 games. 484 for Halak. Price won a Hart Trophy. Vesna. Except that Halak will have been the more durable of the two goaltenders in numbers of years played, despite all the apprehensions due to his size. And that's one of the big things is he's rare goaltender these days being under like five foot eleven. Yeah. He's not a big guy. He's I believe he's listed at like five eight or five nine or something like that. He's not I don't think he's quite that small, but yeah, he's he's not tall. It's just it's a nice piece and it talks about what he's been able to do and how it I mean he was huge for Montreal when he first came up in those playoffs. But everybody talks about it is like below six two you don't even look at it uh, you know they don't even look at goaltenders below six two. Um, there are only three goaltenders older than the league and older than him in the NHL, which uh, Craig Anderson, Mark Andre Fleury, Brian Elliott. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's under six feet. He's five eleven. Okay, he's five eleven. Yep. Yeah. Same height as Yusei Saros and Alex Stalock. <laughs> no goaltender smaller than them, and that trend's not going to continue. It was just a nice piece. I didn't I, I didn't really have a story to follow here. I just wanted to talk about Yarrow and how he's been around for 16 years. And he did get the 289th victory of his career against the Capitals. I mean, against the, uh, the Capitals, yeah. The, my mind is clearly faltering today against the Canadians. At some point he's going to be, at some point he's not going to be around. And, and I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think he makes the hall of fame either, but he's had himself a hell of a career. He has been a lot of fun to watch. And he I was think fun he's to watch it's fun to watch in Boston. That's for sure. <laughs> and I think he's been one of the most underrated goaltenders during his tenure. And the thing is, he kept he keeps when he was with the Islanders, he kept getting sent down, passed over. Then they had the three headed monster with Islanders him. Islanders were Bruce. a tr- were a true absolute disaster at that time. Yes, but the best of the three goaltenders was him. <laughs> And they still couldn't just make him the number one. They were still rotating this three-headed monster of goaltenders. It was like, uh, it, 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 it sounds like, and it seems like he was always struggling or fighting to get his shot. Like, somehow what he did wasn't good enough. I know he was appreciated here in Boston. I'm pretty sure he was appreciated in Montreal when he saved their bacon in the playoffs. But eh, it just Absolutely. seems like he's always he's always struggled to get to that number one spot and to hold it. And uh, perhaps it was because of his size. But I don't think in this case, uh, I've always said my perfect size for a goaltender is somewhere between 5'11 and 6'2. Uh, taller than that. And I think you're you're hurting yourself, limiting yourself smaller than that. And you it's just you better be better at lateral movement and whatnot. So. 
your skills better shine if you're going to be small on that. I think 5'11 to 6'2 is about the right size for a goaltender. Fair deal. And with that, uh, hockey fans, uh, we're going to leave you. Don't forget the bean pots are coming up soon. Ooh. The um, and the uh, PHF season has resumed. Um, we'll have more on that and everything else in the hockey world next week. Take care and enjoy the hockey.